Now let's take a look at the bigger picture. Russell Stone is with us, CEO, owner, Scranton Financial. Thanks for being here. So what do you think? Rally, rally. We had a winning week last week, Friday. I mean, it was over 700, everybody said on the Dow. Whoa, you know, and now what? I mean, is this for real? Well, I, you know, I bear with me here because I'm always a bearer of bad news in this environment. Uh, I would take this opportunity to reposition your portfolio, take some of the gains that you've got, you know, back it off a little and get ready for the next drop because markets don't just recover when China is struggling, Great Britain is struggling mightily, uh, all of Europe actually is struggling economically. We have all these headwinds with Ukraine war, uh, with what's going on here in the United States. I mean, the debt on our national, uh, the interest on our national debt is going to exceed a trillion dollars this year. So I think there's a lot of adjustments coming. It's a political season, so we have elections coming up November 8th. Uh, I think uh, the markets are kind of taking a hold your breath attitude, and let's see what happens after the election. A lot of folks looking for a pop before the elections. What do you think of that? I, you know, it, 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 it pops happen and, and, and they disappear. I think that this, this rally has run its course. Uh, I think it's got to maybe get to 32,000 in the Dow uh, before it resumes this downward trend. Uh, there's just a lot of um, unknown circumstances out there that we have to deal with. Uh, debt is the biggest elephant in the room. Uh, central banks are guiding the world, and the only thing they can do is raise interest rates or lower interest rates. And if they do either or, they're either going to spur inflation or they're going to bankrupt uh, the economies of the world. And I, I wouldn't. I don't envy that position right now. So let's see what they do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens right after the election. Understood. So at this point now, with the Fed, I mean, there there is talk that the Fed may have to pause or slow down the rate at which they've been hiking because obviously they're they're trying to battle inflation, but there is some concern about financial stability. And if they slow that, Maybe it's not because inflation's getting so much better, but that they don't want to really disturb or cause financial instability. Yeah, they're on a balance beam. I mean, they're doing a tightrope walk, and it's it's not an easy position. You know, you're looking at worldwide debt. Banks are heavily leveraged. Uh, you've got the uh, stock market, which is heavily leveraged. And now a lot of these stocks are selling their stocks that they bought with borrowed money back into a declining market. Um, it, it's not an easy rope to, to walk. And right now, it could go either way. If they raise interest rates too much, they're going to break the real estate market. They're going to break pension funds around the world. They're going to break a lot of things. If they don't raise rates, then they're going to spur inflation. Uh, and you know, the world is all in the same boat because worldwide, our worldwide debt is, exceeds $2,000 trillion. Uh, it's massive. We had four and a half trillion dollars in debt within our economy in 1979. So Paul Walker had the, the ability to raise interest rates aggressively. He would raise interest rates one, two, three percent in a very short period of time. Uh, right now, we're struggling to raise interest rates 75 basis points. And we do it even more aggressively than that. We're built on a mountain of debt, 92 trillion dollars versus four and a half trillion dollars from 1979. Uh, it's it's not going to be fun. Uh, you have students that are in debt with student loans. You have credit card debt that's at an all-time high. You've got mortgage rates going up. There's so many things that are going along. People have to step back and really just hold on to their cash and get ready for the bottom 
of all this and the volatility that we know is here. That's one thing you can predict accurately is we're going to have lots of volatility, both political volatility, both economic volatility and market volatility. Right, right. And you said, you know, they have to basically do this as they balance on the beam there. But there is some good news that comes from this. You just talked about debt. What's some of the good news? Uh, well, the good news is I, I think the appetite worldwide is uh, going to address this. I think we're personally, I think we're long overdue for a restructuring of the way the world uh, runs their monetary systems. We had the Brentwood Accords in 1944. We had the Jamaican Accords back in 1976. Uh, the world depends on the petrodollar. I think there's better systems and better thought processes that are going to come out and emerge from all this. We can't exist on this path. Uh, that I think the world knows. I think we have to uh, go through the process of uh, not depending on debt to run the world. You can't run an economy on debt. That's been proven over right. and over again. In the meantime, we're seeing Chinese stocks. We just finished talking about how they've been beaten down today. Concerns about uh, Pre President Xi Jinping being extended in his role. He's uh, notoriously been a little bit aggressive against tech stocks, economic growth, innovation, and there's a lot of concern. As a matter of fact, huge outflows is something I was just reading a, a short time ago. Um, that is also monumental because that really tells the story. And a name like Pinduo, Duo, for example, I'm only using that as an example, was down 16 percent this morning. I just checked on it. It's down 28 percent. So, and this is not only for Chinese companies. U.S. companies that are exposed over there are also like Starbucks and Tesla and Wynn and Las Vegas Sands. I mean, what do you make of the Chinese story and why investors in the U.S. should care or not? I mean, should they just stay away from these stocks overall? Well, we should definitely care because you mentioned stocks, but you also have to mention pension funds that, that buy these stocks within their pensions. Uh, the Chinese bonds, which are found in pensions all around the world, uh, those are problematic. Uh, and the expectation in my world is that I would expect more outflows because as the world economies are slowing down and they're adjusting, uh, you know, what does that do? It overinflates the value of everything. So as the world is going to readjust and, and deflate down to the real value of assets based on gold, uh, you're going to see a lot more contractions within the markets and the economy. So my expectation is you're going to see a lot more money flowing out of China, Europe, uh, and U.S. stocks and seeking safety. And that's the, the kind of like the um, untalked talked about story. What happens when fear enters into the system? Are interest rates going to go up or down? They're going to go up. And the Fed doesn't have that much control over interest rates once the interest rate has fear in, baked into it. Uh, that's, that's going to be a bigger issue. Go back to 1929 and study some of that stuff, and you'll see that fear enters into the system, then the system loses control. Right. And, you know, to your point, I was just looking at the outflows. If you think outflows will continue, um, this platform, China's domestic market platform, which tracks the stocks and everything, it's called uh, Stock Connect. And yep. it was created in 2014. And I saw two and a half billion in outflows just on Monday alone. And that is the most ever since it's been created. That doesn't seem right. like a good thing overall. Tell me a little bit about gold and silver. I saw gold was down about two bucks today. Um, what's in your mind when it comes to gold and silver? Are they going to make a comeback and be shining again? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, the more the economies contract, as long as gold and silver, the price is determined by derivatives, then the, the, the price of gold and silver will go down as the economy contracts. 
once once the market realizes that gold and silver is one of the safe havens of many that they should have money stored in, uh, then you're going to see the price of silver go up and, and do things that nobody expects. I won't even tell you what my expectation is because you'll think I'm a lunatic. Well, I want to hear the expectation. How about a range? A range. All right. If the if the gold and silver, particularly silver, because uh, you can buy a lot more silver uh, than you can gold uh, with, say, a thousand dollars. But I personally believe that silver uh, will break through thirty dollars an ounce and then move up to sixty dollars an ounce. Once it does that, I think that derivatives are going to fail and the pricing mechanism is going to shift over to the value of silver based on dollars. And same with gold. Gold is held back as well by the derivatives. Uh, that is the, the kingpin. And so those derivatives are what we're pricing silver in and gold. If those fail, then we're going to be pricing it in dollars. And that's a much, much bigger number. And that's why I think having gold and silver in your possession as a hedge against what's going on in the markets and the economies is a smart idea. Very interesting. So that's doubling plus, basically, yeah. is what well, you're telling one, us. One more yeah. point on that, Nicole, is that the excess reserves in silver are almost depleted. But yet the price is still at historical lows, even where it, at the cost of what it takes to get it out of the ground. It doesn't make any sense that silver is priced so cheap unless you understand the fact that it's priced in derivatives, not in the actual physical silver. All right. Russell Stone, great to chat with you. CEO, owner of Scranton Financial. Thank you, Russell. Nice to see you. Thanks. Have a wonderful day, Nicole.